Welcome to the Silicon UK InFocus podcast. Silicon UK is the leading source of IT news, features, analysts, and interviews covering the technology that impacts your business. I'm your host, David Hull, the Editor-in-Chief here at Silicon UK. Well, today I'm delighted to be joined by Sue Preston, the Vice President and General Manager of HPE Point Next and HPE GreenLake. Welcome, Sue. Thank you, David. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks a lot for, for joining us uh, today. I think you may be aware that uh, this month uh, at uh, Silicon UK, we're, we're looking at everything SaaS, uh, what that means for, for current businesses and particularly moving forward. That kinds of technologies are something that business can use to move forward with uh, with their businesses, particularly post-pandemic. I think uh, every company is looking to the future now and what does that mean for, for, for their business. But before we kick off our conversation, what, what's, your, what's your background, Sue? And what were you doing before HP? I've got a very interesting background, actually, David. So before HPE, I was at Microsoft and uh, prior to that, at Archie and prior to that, a privately owned systems integrator building a data center program for them and as a service offerings. In addition to my current role at HPE as well, I also sit on the Tech UK board and spend a lot of time focused around ESG, which is a a core passion of mine. What sort of got you into tech in, in the first place? I started on an apprentice when I left school. I decided I wanted to get into the work world. And the placement that I started was at uh, Computer People in IT Recruitment. And that gave me the passion for technology. And that's just been my mission throughout life. Was that your choice? Or did, that, did they just say, well, there's this, this is opportunity. Do you fancy it? Or did you actually go after that particular apprenticeship? I had two placement options. One was in a financial organisation and the other was, yeah. And I just loved the buzz of the environment and knew that was the right thing for me. But interestingly, at that point, I've been in tech over 30 years. They didn't believe in non-graduates moving into sales roles, but I was spotted as talent and taken with one of the managers to another organisation. Yes, because um, back sort of 30 years ago, tech was not Wild West, but it was exciting. There was uh, loads of innovation, wasn't it? You know, the stuff that we take for granted today. I mean, I started writing about tech in the 80s. Um, it's all personal computers when they first hit and uh, you could have a computer in your home because 84, Apple, Apple One uh, and uh, the Macintosh uh, appeared. But back then it was yeah let's just build this stuff because it doesn't exist uh, you know pre-internet it was quite an exciting time absolutely this conversation is basically a couple of things i think it's looking at really where we are with with sas what that actually means for i guess for businesses you maybe use that as a, maybe a legacy or what they'll be building their systems on currently but also how that moves forward so when you take a step back and when you're having conversations with hp's customers where are we with with sas is it something that's now a clear foundation for many business processes or is it maybe a an aging view of, of how we organize applications or or do you feel it's something that is clearly going to evolve in the future into something more, more maybe interesting and expand? And what's your take on the SaaS environment at the moment? Yeah, good question, David. It's interesting because if I look at the SaaS market, it's evolving at speed. And the core thing for me, the main conversation that I have with customers is around poor data management. And I look at some of the new SaaS providers as well are emerging to help organizations consolidate and access and drive scale across their organizations. So I think it's a really interesting area to focus on and do further research with the customers. 
if you approach your data and then you have a look at how are we going to do that with tools, then SaaS is clearly one way forward, isn't it? But do you think it's the only way forward? Do you think that kind of approach to particularly data management, as you say, is that just one of many? Or would you say if you move forward with data management, then um, it has to be a SaaS environment or, or other alternatives? I think if you put the customer at the centre, it's really trying to understand the business outcomes that they're looking to drive and how the current ecosystem of where they see their their trusted partners and and their advisors to to ultimately help them get to the outcomes at speed and SAS you know plays a, a core role in that and i think the the conversation around the data management side that is the biggest challenge for customers at the moment and how they're accessing that data I think that if I look at some of the organisations, the SaaS providers that are out there, they're seeing that potential to drive further innovation on their um, SaaS platforms as well. And then how are they delivering that in a wider ecosystem? And I came across this at, at Microsoft as well with, you know, the ISVs and the startups and the service providers. And it's how that ecosystem comes together to drive that value. And listening to the customers, you know, part of the innovation on those SaaS platforms needs to be driven by customer insight. Absolutely. I think I think businesses are clearly poised to make, in some cases, radical change, it, it seems to me. They're all looking for post-pandemic. What does that mean for their businesses? In a lot of, a lot of cases, they're literally ripping up their digital transformation roadmaps and starting again because they just don't fit with the new world, let's call it that, or the brave new world in some cases. Do you think that's... That's a that's an approach which really is is great for business if you are open enough to understand that your business may have to change uh, you know radically in some aspects. But if it does, embracing the SaaS way of doing things and as you said that ecosystem is that really for for you that that's the way forward to be that kind of flexible business. Absolutely. And I think the pandemic accelerated the market because customers were limited on choices and the rule book got underwritten in a way. How organisations had to, you know, transform into that uh, mobile virtual way of working. And I think that has accelerated the future for customers now to look at the, I, I suppose, their journey of deploying applications and business outcomes to their customers. And when I say customers, they're internal customers and uh, external customers. And then how can that become hybrid, I would say, the hybrid approach to looking at those systems and processes, people, process, technology, and how they go faster. Because if, if there's anything that the pandemic taught us is the art of the possible, and you can drive outcomes at speed. I think speed is it's something that is I think it's going to have to be really baked in to to these ecosystems as they develop and they're going to develop you know, really quickly. It's interesting that you point to I guess who your end customer is or what's the end game for for any kind of SaaS development you're you're looking at. And it's interesting that it's not business process and customers anymore. It's both, isn't it? And that's an interesting, I think, innovation, which is absolutely come out of the pandemic, that your business isn't just internal processes, which then goes to, say, a customer facing. It's actually an integrated ecosystem. It's all the same, isn't it? 
If I look at Keith White, who runs um, our global Green Lake, and I love it when Keith says to me, one plus one equals three. Yeah. And now it's one plus one equals five. And I look at how it opened up, because if we think about how we engage with our customers in various different industries, it's what can we teach them something that they didn't know in order to, you know, some of the outcomes and how can customers embrace the ecosystem of partners working together? If you look at it with cloud and data, then how do we help organizations have that hybrid approach, whether they are bursting out into public cloud with Azure or AWS, and then also having that challenge, because you mentioned it, data's everywhere at the edge. How then do they add latency issues or various other issues to still provide that outcome and insight to their customers? Is that, a, is that kind of a... Is that a frightening thing for businesses when you speak to them and you go, one plus one actually equals five guys? And they go, what does that mean? What, what is it? Can you explain that to I me? Mean, are we in a sort of situation where our businesses, where well, it won't fail, but you'll be at a disadvantage if you don't do this and this? Do they have a... Do they have a clear idea of, I guess, what their end game is and really how they're going to get there? And I I think a large part of that is, again, creating these ecosystems. How are you going to innovate? And if you are going to innovate, are those going to be within, say, virtual systems? And is an approach like SaaS going to be a major component of that? Is is it in focus for your your customers or are they still struggling to understand how all these kind of blocks fit together? Yeah, and I think, uh, David, it's a good comment because I think in, in, in every customer meeting that I have, and that could be one of our partners because our partner ecosystem is absolutely uh, critical to our, yeah, our yeah. strategy. Yeah, you can't do it alone, can you? You, can't, you cannot do this alone. You can't. And it's, I think the sooner that we wake up to looking at that ecosystem and looking and thinking, well, okay, who runs my business? So that could be your ERP. Uh, platform? What are the investments that that customer is making that are absolutely strategic and critical to their future? And then how can those, I call them strategic partners, come together as a single force to address the challenges? And that's why every conversation that I have is all around people, nature, climate, sustainability. Organisations now are making various pledges on you know, the race to net zero, but then how is that coming to life with the, the technology platforms and the partners that they're working with? And I think interestingly, if I look at line of business, one of my observations now is that the amount of stakeholders in any customer engagement are changing. Yeah, sure. And that group is becoming bigger. So, you know, you've got the chief data officer, the chief digital officer, the CISO, the chief security officer, the, the chief um, sustainability officer. And I'm thinking all of these um, personas in the customer have all got their goals. And then how can they look at that ecosystem coming together as one? Now, there may be, there may be occasions where it's the co-opetition or the, I call it frenemies, where you're in a compete motion as well as a partnership motion. I think we have to wake up to that. That's interesting, isn't it? I think you're right. I think a lot of businesses are transforming. It's interesting you mentioned who is actually connecting together. And I think businesses are also transitioning. It's interesting when, I think, when you uh, go into meetings these days that there are people in there who would not normally be there. 
which is interesting. I, I think that's an interesting and a very advantageous development within business. You mentioned uh, sort of ESG. I'd also put in there HR as well. HR now has a seat at the technical table because uh, lots of technology in, is being embraced by HR. But ESG, absolutely. I think that that's a, a key driver for businesses and how they move that forward. And I, I think uh, sort of SaaS applications are, are, are a core part of that. Now, when you look, I guess, to the I guess the perimeter or the cutting edge, if you like, we're starting to see, I guess, new technologies, aren't we? Uh, AI, but I guess really we're talking about machine learning, automation, code is continuing, edge computing, you've already already mentioned. All of these are in the mix, I, I feel. How do you think SAS kind of connects to that? Is it sort of a panion to all of these technologies that come along 5G as well, let's put that in the mix, and businesses want to embrace all of these things, but how do they do that? Where, where are the tools? Um and I think the SaaS approach is perfect for that because the way it's the way you actually approach application development like that and then rollouts of services to to whoever you can embrace automation, you can embrace five G, you can embrace edge because you've you have that ecosystem. Now, do you feel these technologies are going to really impact businesses if they have the correct tool set to do so? Absolutely, and I think if try and simplify things to look at how that can come together. And if I start with the data management challenge, so looking at the edge, AI and ML cannot be delivered without data. So therefore, you know, machine learning and then intelligence, humans and, and, and technology working together. I think one of the biggest issues that we all face, every customer, and in the UK specifically, I think when I last checked, there's 150,000 tech vacancies currently in the UK. So there's a skills shortage, which comes then to what you've just said, David, around automation and process and low code. Absolutely. Low code, no code is worth monitoring and customers looking at because then that alleviates some of the skills shortage. The other element for me as well is that from a, an AI point of view, we've got used to that now with call centers and bots and chatbots and things like that. But then for me, the more interesting thing is how we can drive part of the ESG initiatives. So in farming, how can we utilize AI and edge and IoT to be more driving that more uh, sustainable future? So there's lots of different things. Wave technology, we talk about renewables and wind and solar. So I look into those things at how technology is absolutely making a difference and, and bringing that together. I think that a customer's vision, tech just changes so quickly, doesn't it? I'm, I'm glad I've got a curious mind because you can learn every day. Every day is a learning day. But then I'm looking at things like iPaaS with the integration of platforms as a service so that then customers can connect those fragmented data silos. And then how do they maximize that AI automation? Because it is people processing technology at the end of the day and simplicity. And I think speed, because as a consumer, if I want to go and purchase something online, I want that fantastic customer experience. I don't want to be stressed and challenged because the, the system, you know, doesn't take my credit card payment for argument's sake. <laughs> so I think even as consumers and that business model, and that's why I say when I talk about customers, it's the internal customer. And I think you said with HR coming into the mix as well as those stakeholders, because they've got to keep happy employees. So I think it's interesting how the tech can drive more of that value and 
give the business speed of agility to, to drive those outcomes at speed. Keep up to date with the latest tech news and read in-depth features by subscribing to the Silicon UK newsletter. Now, I always have this conversation with HP in particular because you are you are quite uh, quite unique because you transitioned to a service company, didn't you? And that kind of speaks to this conversation and what we're covering on on Silicon UK this uh, this month. So, what's the background to that? This transition to a service company. What was driving that kind of evolution of HP? Antonio had the vision, and I think it comes down to the leadership that, you know, our, our strategy is to drive sustainable edge to cloud platform as a service across every service that we deliver and every outcome that we deliver. I think that with some of our core beliefs, part of accelerating that transformation is a fail fast mentality as well. Because the speed at which the culture transformation of the organization to be really focused on the outcomes that can be driven. And then with the fantastic technical engineering, innovation, thought leadership of really understanding those services that we need to drive. And I think if we look at a lot of organizations that look to transform to that as a service, Adobe is a great example. They move from license to subscription services. They had an impact in the first year. But then looking at the reoccurring revenue that they're driving now, it's just amazing. Well, it raised some eyebrows, didn't it, at the time? But I guess we, in, in hindsight, sort of everyone is dogs going to subscription models. I guess it's come off the back of entertainment and things, you know, Netflix is of this world. You know, I've even heard that phrase of delivering education and training in a Netflix model. You create assets and you access them as if you would access a, a TV show or a movie on Netflix. So it's a Netflix of education. But it kind of, if you follow that to its logical conclusion, then it, that can be applied to pretty much anything, can't it? Whatever your, your business is, it could be potentially a service model. Even if you're delivering a, a hardware experience, there's still an element of that service in inverted commas. So did HP take some time to define what that kind of meant for HP and how that would sit in the marketplace? I think that it comes down to leadership and I think the vision and also how the key leaders came together to drive that vision across the end-to-end the -end portfolio. I think that some of the acquisition of Aruba, some of the recent acquisitions with Zerto, MapR, Blue Data. So because that, that as a service platform needs to continue to evolve at speed. And the reason we made announcements on the 22nd of um, March with the new service offering. So being able to go into a customer and demonstrate to them setting up a VM and the ease with the GreenLake Central platform is fantastic. And I think one of the things that you mentioned there as well, David, is that customers have got choice. So looking at the, the history of HPE, and I've always worked with Hewlett Packard Enterprise because my early days, I was in Unix, the Unix world, HP 9000. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So, so I've seen that from the customer service. You mentioned it, some of the core measures, aren't they? So... I think the heritage of our business is fantastic. And then it's the evolution and the pivot at speed to the new way is delighting the customers to have that choice. There'll be a percentage of applications that will not move to public cloud. We know that there's heritage legacy in a lot of organizations. 
And then with, you know, some of our recent announcements, I think I was posting the other day with the Azure um, stack HI, looking at those partnerships that we've been working with across the board is enabling us to drive those outcomes to our customers, but also driving the continual innovation with the acquisition of MapR and Blue Data and our software portfolio with Esme. That to me, in simplistic terms, is how we're helping organizations look at all the ingestion of the different data silos in a central governed way. You know, that is a challenge for customers to get the value out of their data. So I believe in everything that we're driving is really, you know, putting the customer first. Do you think also that we are seeing a a kind of rationalization happen, I think, across across a lot of businesses, particularly looking at their IT infrastructures? I think a lot have suffered maybe in the past with a service sprawl and with really trying to connect various services together. I think there was a stat a while back, the average businesses is using a half a dozen different kinds of, of, of IT infrastructures from different vendors, and they're trying to you know, connect this stuff together. Now we seem to be in a, I guess, in a period of change or reflection almost, where businesses are trying, I think, to do more with less I think they're trying to say, how can we rationalize this stuff? How can we make it more manageable? And I think they're tasking particularly CTOs to do that, to say, look at our entire portfolio. What are we doing with this uh, with this stuff? Can we rationalize that? Can we move to a more SaaS environment for some of this stuff? Because then it's more manageable, it certainly reduces costs, but more importantly, it then gives us a agile ecosystem to move forward and innovate. It seems to me businesses are really looking at how they can make those changes as soon as possible. Yeah, and I, and I think you, you're hitting on a good couple of uh, points there. So I think if I look at how organisations are transforming, so if I think, if, if I'm thinking about ESG and how I'm, I'm going into an organisation, so the pandemic, there was another thing with the pandemic and that was liquidity. So how organisations were looking for support, if it's a terabyte, let's, let's go over because we don't want to impact service. That now, with delivering everything as a service, is the way forward because then you reduce the risk of over-provisioning, you're only paying for what you use, and you're also having a major impact on the environment because energy efficiency, looking at reducing e-waste with upcycling. So the cost of some of the components. So how customers need to think of upcycling more, even in the consumer world. So I think there's lots of areas that organizations can drive the, the more for less because they just need to take the time to get the, the key stakeholders together to drive that change. It's like with data centers as well. People now have choice, don't they, whether they're on-prem, in a colo, in a public cloud environment, then all of those things working together can achieve the goals. It seems to be hybrid with everything, if you ask me. So it's uh, that's a new buzzword, isn't it? Yeah, hybrid business. That's a very large and uh, complex term. What does that mean for for your company? If you're going to build a, a hybrid business, that's that could be every single aspect of your company, literally from HR all the way through to, as you say, data management. What does that mean if you're building a, a hybrid approach to to everything? Um, what kind of sort of tech stack are you going to develop to to support that? And clearly, hosted services and services that are almost decoupled from their sort of you know their hardware parent, if you like, kind of gives you that flexibility. It's again, it's that idea that this stuff can evolve 
forward. You, know, you don't have to pay attention to that. The service itself will move forward and you just take advantage of it. And I think that's something that businesses may, maybe not have had the experience before. A lot of vendor lock-in, I think, was an issue maybe a, a few years ago and so on. Um, I don't think anyone's going to tolerate that now. I think it's a case of we want ultimate flexibility and X as a service, whatever that is, I think that is the way forward and businesses want that. And clearly vendors have to really have a look at what their offering is, I feel, and how do you meet that challenge? And I think, David, because we're talking about customer lifetime value. And I remember going back years ago when I was, you know, first on the road. I was going to say what my first company car was, but I won't. And well, we used to be called road, road warriors back then. Of course, now it's <laughs> it's hybrid workers and all that kind of stuff. So any anybody of a certain age is thinking all this talk of uh, hybrid working and working remotely. What are you talking about? I've been doing that for decades. It's it's come back to become you know, the the rigueur thing uh, within businesses. But for a lot of people of a certain age, they've been doing that forever. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, it does. It makes me smile because then I think with those, you know, software investments that it was called shelfware, wasn't it? So I think of the customer lifetime value and, and what does that mean to Sue? It means that if we're in there and we're partnering, then the customer's seeing the value. And I think sometimes customers look at the, when they've got contracts outsourcing and things, and it's like, what is the innovation that's continuing? And that's, that's within our DNA with regards to uh, continual evolution. You know, we empower. Uh, people to think we drive different innovation quests and lots of different things that that creates that inclusion. I think the other thing, as you were talking as well, is if I think of um, the world now with getting back to the office, so intelligent workplace. So again, how you're looking at the employees coming back into into a physical and having this flexible working model. So again, how the technology can drive that more collaborative workspace, whether it's at home in a a physical office building. So organisations have got to think differently on how they drive that forward as well, which I think is an interesting area. Yes, and I I, uh, I I would imagine that's what HP saw coming a few years ago. I, I, if you say take a step back and you look at the businesses that have really rapidly evolved and changed in some cases out of all recognition, uh, literally they pivoted. They saw the future. They saw, yeah, there's a change coming. There's lots of new technologies, which maybe say just three or four years ago were, were on the distant horizon. We've mentioned a few of those already. Suddenly they're on the near and Within a few years, maybe even in months, in some cases, they were going to they are going to be impacting your business. So I think, particularly the large players and and sort of HP is one of those. I think you guys said, yeah, the landscape for our businesses uh, that we support is going to change, and therefore we have to change to support that. We can't just carry on doing what we've always done. That's an interesting evolution of of a business, isn't it? To take that kind of, in some cases, massive change to support really the new world, which is developing really at the moment. And I, I, I think for technology businesses that can see that and have the, I guess, have the guts to change, those are going to be the wins in, in the near future because they will be the businesses that are supporting uh, these new ecosystems. Yeah. And David, I think it's how do you take the workforce with you? And I think that one of the things that uh, pleased me was looking at the skills, so the data skills. So in the UK, we launched a data academy with Multiverse and the first cohort's done extremely well. 
And I look at that and it's not early in career. This is people that are my age that are going through certifications and some of the the hackathons that they're driving and some of the initiatives, it's just a pleasure to see. And I think that for me is that it's about the culture of the organisation, how your employee engagement index, how you're investing in your talents and also how you're, you know, attracting new talents. And I think those are the things that are driving us forward. And I absolutely love the culture at HPE. It makes a big difference in the organisation to be part of that vision and to drive the future. Let's kind of close by actually talking about the future. Obviously, we're, we're talking about uh, you know, SaaS and how that's uh, that's actually evolving. How do you see that moving forward? We're kind of at the start of the sort of post-pandemic period now. I think businesses are, are, are more comfortable to look forward to the future, not just in the holding pattern to survive. I think we're now actively moving forward and evolving and looking at what their marketplaces will look like and how they support their workforces and ultimately their, their customers. What do you see maybe over the next couple of years? How do you see HP's role in that really in in an environment which could be very different from what it was a couple of years ago. It comes back to some of the ecosystem as well. I see the trends moving at a pace. So what we discussed with AI, machine learning, analytics, all of the growth areas and connections that are needed, because there'll be lots of startups, SaaS startups as well in that ISV or the ecosystem. And I think it's what you mentioned before with no code, low code, that again, takes the burden off the technical exposure of the skills to drive the outcomes. And I think that the integration, so the move migration to iPaaS, so integration of all those platforms as a service is a key area. And I think technology providers that can see that and can drive the integration and drive that customer lifetime value then that's where it will be. And I think some of the organisations that inspire bringing that together and working closer as an ecosystem, it'll be you know fantastic to see the new journey. You've been listening to a Silicon UK In Focus podcast. Keep up to date with the latest tech news and read in-depth features by subscribing to our newsletter. I'd like to thank Sue for taking the time to speak to Silicon UK. It's goodbye from me, David Hull, and it's goodbye from Sue. Goodbye. Thanks, David. <laughs>